you miss us, people? We're back. This is the Emergency <laughs> Nine Golf Podcast. We are back. We're, We're back. back. After a week off, hopefully everyone had a good 4th of July. We are down a man tonight. Um, we are recording this on Tuesday of the Open Championship Week. Um, McLean is having some travel issues. He was trying to get home yesterday from vacation, and he's still trying to get home. So he is not <laughs> not joining us on the podcast in the uh, chaos of air travel in today's day and age. Uh, unfortunately, McLean will be joining us, but Jay is here. I am Mike, and we hopefully you guys didn't miss us too much last week. I did have a couple listeners say, well, what am I going to do? I, I don't have a show to listen to. I said, well, go <laughs> download some thing. of our, go download some of our old shit and listen I mean, to, re- re- listen to it, it again. Um so welcome back. Hopefully again, hopefully you're gonna have a good good fourth and are settled into your your summer routine. Um Jay, I want to give you we gotta give you a shout out and an update. McLean and I were talking about your your first two rounds two weeks ago when you were in Pittsburgh, which <laughs> were not your best, but you redeemed yourself. Well, low man the last 36 holes, climbed way yep. up the leaderboard, top 10 finish. So congrats That's- to you. You know, it's if I could just if we just played a competitive round, but then after the first round of the tournament, just be like, hey, you know what, guys? Sorry, that didn't count. Yeah. We're going to start the next round. Start over. I'm going to be good. Yeah. If the first one was a practice round and then you played, I don't know, maybe let's just say 54 holes like some people do, um, <laughs> it would be good. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's I'm good with that. But yeah, no, it was fun. This is an extremely tough golf course, uh, you know, up in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I think we talked about a little bit Pittsburgh field club. It's just hard. It's set up like a U.S. open. It's obviously not as long as, as a U.S. open, but it's a par 70 with five par threes, 6,800 yards. And it's just hard. I mean, the greens yeah. are rolling 14. I mean, 14. That's fast. That's, that's fast. That's fast. That's um, too fast. So, and I, and obviously I wasn't quite ready for it the first, uh, the first two rounds. And, uh, but then I you know played a little bit better on the weekend and, uh, had a top 10 finish. So for the amount of golf that I play these days, I was not too dissatisfied. Another um, professional top 10 fish finish. Suck on that yeah. chase Kepka. Yeah. That's a nice, like Tony Finau top 10 finish. And you know, no one even heard of me. They just see at the very end, like, Oh wow, you were playing really poorly and you finished top 10. How'd that happen? What some people would call a backdoor top 10. A Tony mm-hmm. Finau special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just oh, great. Great playing. Made a nice little check. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, you know, Good little check, a um, little bonus there for somebody who is still considered a professional, but not really a professional. I'm, I'm cool with it. There you go. And then you get the state open yeah. this week. And we got the Virginia state open this week. So yeah, got a little practice in uh, this weekend and tonight. So we shall see. Good. Uh, I will, I will miss you this weekend. It'll be my first time missing the state open in, in quite a while. Um, yeah, that's, you just couldn't couldn't do none of the qualifiers matched none of the up with qualifiers. One the first qualifier just didn't. Uh, I had to had to work that day. We had a big uh, outing that I had to attend to, and then the uh, second qualifier uh, when I was coming back from Fourth of July vacation on the fifth uh, from Michigan. So wasn't able to do that one as well. So no uh, no no trunk slamming for me this year. Not going to miss the cut this year. That's a good thing. So. Um, well, your trunk is safe. Your trunk, trunk is safe. The trunk's safe. It's it's getting it's been getting worn out over the years, so it was probably a good time to take a year off. It car's got over two hundred thousand miles on it, and a lot of trunk slamming. So, um, 
the hinges so. are going to fall off soon. <laughs> but uh, I've, yeah. I've had my fair share of trunk slams. And when I say trunk slams, I mean like they were slammed hard where yeah. people would walk by and like, whoa, man, are you okay? <laughs> no, man, I've, I've no. missed three cuts I'm, in a row. And fucking I've, not okay. I, Don't look at me. Ten grand this, the last three weeks. Uh, I'm yeah. going to sleep in my car. So, no, I'm <laughs> I'm not okay, actually. <laughs> I have all the nearest waffle houses that pop yeah. up on my uh, GPS. So, but good luck to you this weekend. Uh, we'll be following along you, and I may, uh, may try to sneak out there Friday for a little bit if I can. So come on, we'll, we'll see. What I, I can use some, use some, some support. I didn't tell you I was going to give you support. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said I was just going to be there. <laughs> I, I'm going to heckle you. Uh, <laughs> That's good. That's what I need. <laughs> I know you get, you play well and you get fired up and pissed off. So yeah, I'll be your inspiration. Fucking Mike, <laughs> whatever it takes, <laughs> but let's get into, uh, let's go to some guys that can actually play golf other than you and I. Yeah. Uh, uh, first off, I guess, sorry, what are you drinking? Oh, that's a great question. I actually, um, got a nice bottle of Henry McKenna 10. Uh, oh, there you go. A lot of nice little lottery, uh, pick there with the, Virginia ABC, they're, they've changed the way that they've, uh, they're releasing these limited bottles now. They, they basically send out an email and say, hey, these stores have limited release. And then you, everyone rushes over there. Yeah. Um, and I was able to get there. They had a bunch of bottles. Um, but I haven't, uh, the last bottle I had of the Henry, Henry McKenna 10, uh, it's been gone for a year or so. So it was nice to kind of refill the cabinet with this. So this is actually a great bottle for 30 some. It is good. Yeah. Incredible. You just can't get it. Really That's good. very good. Um, I'm on. I got some Eagle Red tonight. Hmm. I just thought that is was. This a, is this a? Are you celebrating right now? It's it's the Open <laughs> Championship. We get the state at uh at at St Andrews. It's you know. <laughs> Let's go. This is it's, a good damn it's a big week. week. It? It's a great weekend. Um, we'll we'll dive in deeper, but yeah, I I love this weekend. I I always. I have an internal battle with myself on what my favorite major. Um, yeah. When it's whatever, Masters, whatever majors that week, whatever's ma- ma- yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh yeah, this is my favorite one. No, 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 this is my favorite one. No, this is my favorite <laughs> one. But um, yeah, I mean, the Open at St Andrews, you can't, you can't beat. So we'll we'll get into that. But uh, we have been off for a couple of weeks, so I'm sure everyone's dying to hear our takes on the John Deere Classic um, from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> JT Poston's well, wire to wire victory. Um, tip you know, of the cap. And let's move I on. I will say, I will say that I played with JT Poston in his first professional event. Oh, we were in, I think we were in Florida somewhere. It was a, you know, a Hooters tour event, which I, it probably had changed names a couple of times, but I knew he was a good player. Uh, one of his past college teammates told me that he was a good player. He was, you know, all American, uh, coming out of like, I was like UNC Asheville or something like that. I don't, I don't know if that's where he went, but it's somewhere in North Carolina, small school, but he won like 15 times or something like that. So I was kind of pumped to play with him. He's a very quiet guy, super cool, very nice. And I think he shot like 75, 76, six or seven or something like that. His first, I could be wrong, but he definitely didn't play his best. He missed the cut. Then I was like, oh, okay, well, I was like, who knows? Um, maybe, you know, doesn't like professional golf. I don't know. And then obviously the rest is history and he's, he's been on the PGA tour for four or five years now. So I, he had no problems, no problems. Uh, getting out there. He is from but, Hickory, North Carolina. 
and went to Western Carolina University. Western Carolina. There you go. Somewhere out there. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Same um, thing. But he did have an incredible college career. He won a, a shit ton of events. Um, and he's, he's a really, really good guy. Just kind of very salt of the earth, kind of humble dude. Um, was fun to play with. You know, we had a good time. Um, so I, I kind of secretly pull for him just because I I beat him in his first professional <laughs> event. And that was the that was the only time I beat him. Suck on that, JT. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take that. Um, but no, but everyone really wants to hear about Trey Mullinex's win in the Barbersaw over Kevin Streelman last week. That's what we wanted. To That's. Talk about. But no, seriously, let's. We uh, McLean and I broke this uh, winner down last week or two weeks ago. Xander Shoffley wins again. You know, the, the Scottish Open was the premier event. The I guess the first ever joint co-sanctioned PGA Tour, DP World Tour event. It had 14 of the top 15 in the world. Um, again, you and I were just talking. We love morning golf. Morning golf's great. Another reason why the, the Open this week is so good. So watching the Scottish, it just seems easier to, to watch. Um, but yeah, Xander is on a tear. I know we had, we had talked just in the last few months, hey, Xander needs to start winning, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, where we're going to call him Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he won the Olympics last year, which, you know, a win's a win, but, you know, small limited field, not the best players there. Um, then he wins the Zurich two-man, can't lay. Okay, well, it's a two-man event. Now, finally, he has peeled off two, two wins in his last two starts at the Travelers and now the Scottish Open. And so, He's he's winning against. So I guess just getting that taste. I guess in the Olympics and Zurich can flip a switch for him. But yeah. I've always liked Xander. I mean, he's. I don't know if he has a pulse or any emotion, but um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he the guy. It, it, it's constant. Like the, he just acts like he doesn't care. He's like whatever. Yeah. I mean, even when you talk to him, he, he you never see any uh-huh. sense of uh, urgency to like to win or get anything done. He's like you know, I'm just. Doing my thing. Ho-hum, just a bunch of top fives, top fives, top fives. Now it's like, I'm just going to win every time. Yeah, He's got a I great mean, game. I mean, he. I don't, there's no real weakness of this guy. I mean, he drives the ball long and straight. He's a great iron player. He's got a great short game. He's a great putter. Well, you know. And that's the funny thing is his, his putting has gone in and out the last couple of years, but he's always, he's for some reason, has seemed to unnecessarily so fucked around with his putting like he has had that weird couple months where he was doing the arm lock and then he's been conventional and then left hand low and he's changes his putter and it's like dude you're a really good putter what the hell are you messing around for and it looks like when he just his conventional grip when he holds it it look and he looks great he's holds it great yeah and it's just it's just i guess an internal thing here there where he's just he can't free it up and i i get that you know sometimes you're just like i gotta switch it up even though you know, it may look look right to everyone else, but he's just not making putts. And he's like, I got to switch something up. But yeah, it's always tough when you see a good player, good putter with good feel go to a kind of a real unique putting style. Uh, you're like, you know, I, I understand why you're doing it, but just maybe work through what you're what you're doing with your normal conventional. Yeah. Grip. Because you, it'd be different if you were if you were terrible with it that way. You're like, hey, I got to do whatever I got to do here. But he's always been a really solid putter. It's like, do you really need to jump ship so quickly and go to the left hand low with the arm locker? And he's got a he's got a great. So his dad's his coach, but his putting coach, um, I forget the guy's that last name. He, Derek, 
yeah, Yuda, something like that. He's he's out in the San Diego Southern Cal area. Him and Xander did an episode with um, Chris Como on Como's um, golf channel show a couple of years ago, and I I I love putting and I like Xander, and so I, I watched it and I thought it was fascinating. It seemed like him and his they've got they've got it pretty his drills and his the way they work on his setup is remarkable and I, I forget the details so i'm not going to try to explain it here because i would just mess it up but yeah because i was kind of hoping you would tell me what yeah the, sorry what this <laughs> i have to find the clip online but the way they just basically calibrate his eyes using wow. using you know a string line uh, alignment stick um a bunch of different things they, they're basically every week he tries to recalibrate his eyes and where he's aiming and where he's seeing because he says it, it changes week to week. And so one week really? he may see where he's finding he's aiming a little too far left or a little too far right. And so he'll spend basically an hour or two just working on his alignment on the putting green and calibrating how he's aiming and what his eyes are looking at when he when he does his looks. Um, huh. It was really fascinating. I'll, I'll try to find it for you, Jay, and send it to you. But they, they've kind of got it down to a science. So to see him mess around with stuff, it's like, Man, watching that show looked like you guys had it pretty pretty dialed in. Yeah. What what are you um, messing with now? Yeah. You know, looking at his stats, I mean, he's 31st in putting strokes gained. He's 37th around the greens. He's ninth approach the greens. He's 44th off the tee. I mean, there's no weakness there. No. No. He's just solid. I mean, just solid. that's why he's You know, and that, like that's why he's always in the mix. You know, he's always playing well, and I think that we've always talked about this that that kind of if there were any way to find a way to calculate or quantify that it factor like uh, of winning golf tournaments. Like the guy has, you know, you look at him on paper and like, he's doing everything right. Like why isn't he winning? And it's just, there's, that's the thing that's just so hard to figure out. Like what that, what that it factor is that makes people win. Like, you know, why does, why does Tiger, why did Tiger win 30% of his tournaments that he teed up in and for that 10 year stretch? I mean, what in the hell was he doing other than, extremely talented but again there were plenty of weeks where he didn't have his best stuff and he still yeah. won yeah and it's like when these other guys are like man i played great this week you know like talk to bob may why don't you ask uh chris demarco you know those guys played <laughs> yeah. the weeks of their lives in those in the masters in the in the 2000 pga and here's tiger you know I, he obviously tiger played great in those but it's like it didn't matter what those guys did he was he just found a way to win you know it's yeah it's, it's incredible you know, that, that difference. And you just kind of wonder with Xander, you know, if he, did he figure it out? You know, it seems like he, you know, he, he, he faltered a little bit on Sunday uh, during the Genesis and didn't play great. Um, but found a way to, in the end, a way to get it done and get it done. He had that's all that matters. Comfy two shot lead coming in. And, um, I thought played, you know, very smart hit that iron off the tee on 18, basically, because that eighteenth hole was playing hard all yeah. week for those guys. I think the first day I forget to see that. I don't know if it was like the first day. Yeah, it was day one. There were only two birdies on eighteen, and the the field played it in a combined one hundred and one over par. <laughs> like, when do you see a tour event with the best players in the world have a, a hole that's playing? You're talking hundred and fifty people. There's a hundred, actually a hundred and like fifty seven people playing in this event. Um, and they played it over a hundred over par. Are you kidding me? That's insane. That's so it was obviously playing hard. So he hits iron off the tee. 
And I mean, really, he probably should have made par. He missed that six, eight footer on, on 18. But, you know, at that point, it was two putt from there and, and, it, and it's yeah. over. Kitayama gave him a little, a little pressure. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Xander. Again, it, it's, I don't love Xander just because I think maybe because of his personality, it's just hard to, yeah, get anything, you know, any kind of juice from him when you're watching him and rooting for him down the stretch. But he seems like a good guy and, Hits it well and butts it well and chips it well and cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, like you're right. It's again, I think that's where it's nice to hear a little bit more about the players and their personalities and their story. You know, kind of like like Joe, you know, uh, a friend of the pod. You know, Joe Bramlett. Uh, you know, it's like getting pulling out these details of these guys and and learning who they are. You know, we I don't it's fun to root for these people when you know who they are. And Xander is the same way. He's playing in these events and he you know, turn the TV on. If he's not this, you know, really outgoing personality, you know, his game is nice. You know, he doesn't have like a you know, incredible swing where he hits it, you know, 370 off the tee, but it's just a nice swing, nothing crazy with it. Um, but that's pretty much it. Like you said, you're like, well, who is this guy? Like, what? tell yeah. me, give me some backstory on him. You know, I want to know, I want to know some more details on them. What, what do I have in common with them so I can pull for them? And I think, again, that's one of the things I, I would hope that the PGA Tour would start to do more and more. And, and the news channel or the uh, the networks uh, who, who cover the events, like dig in a little bit more. Like that's golf is golf. Give me a reason to root for these guys and give me a reason to root for the person that I really don't know anything about. Um, that's going to yeah. that's going to bring in the, the bigger audience. So, um I don't know. I, it, it's it would be nice to get a little bit more detail on, on him, him too because he is such a good player. Yeah, but. so it's good to see him starting to get back in the winner's circle, and now it's just okay. You know, he had that little drought for winning, and he's obviously fixed that. Now it's okay. Can you now win the major? Um, I think he does it. He's probably going to miss the cut. He's probably going to miss the cut this week, but no, um, he does it. I think he does it this week. I think he rides high, gets it done. Wow. Is this a yeah. foreshadowing for your picks or you're just going to say it uh, now? No, he's not okay. in there, but I, I think that he's going to do it. <laughs> okay. I would, I mean, I, I would love to see it. I, and I, I thought about picking him this week. Um, I don't know what the stats say of, you know, winning before a major the week before how that works or not. Um, well, remember um, Phil Mickelson, obviously he only won. What do you win? The British open one time. Yeah. Right. Did, and I know that he he would always go play the week before, and he obviously didn't win the weeks that he won the week yeah. prior. And he won. It was has it always been a Scottish Open that they would go play? The week is always the week before. I know in the last five six years it has been. Yeah, because that like, that's part of why they you know once they did this partnership that was the, like the easy one to pick because so many PGA Tour guys were going over there early to play in it. Just yeah. wanted to get acclimated to the to the climate, to the weather, to the time change. Yeah. Um, get over there early for the open. It was getting more and more popular with the American PJ Tour guys, and so um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if it's, the schedule's always been the same, but at least for the well, I'd say for the last five or six years, it's been like this. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, but, I, I don't know what the stats are on that, but I, the way I look at it, yes, it's very hard to win back to back, but I certainly would like to be riding into that tournament coming off of a win, knowing that you're playing good golf. I mean, Oh yeah. Anybody finishing in the, and, and for somebody, 
if it were a first time winner, I would say absolutely not. But for a guy like Xander, who has been on the, I don't want to say the chopping block for, you know, for winning his first, first major, but um, he kind of is. I mean, he's kind of, I, I don't know if you would title him the, the best player not to have a major, but he's got to be up there with, mm-hmm. with some of the other names, but. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely up there, especially with how much he's contended in majors too. He's yeah. had so many top tens in the majors. Yeah, he he's got to be one of the better players on tour with without a major. Now that you know Morikawa's got one, and Scotty Scheffler has one, and um, you know Rom has one. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't know if I think he is the best player to not have a major. Let me go to the official. World golf rankings and just kind of go down the list here. But I mean, he's won. I'm looking, he's won seven times now on tour. That does not count the Olympics, but that does count the Zurich two men. So it's kind of a wash. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. Uh, So, I mean, going by the world golf rankings, so Cantlay's ahead of him, doesn't have one. Then Xander, Cam Smith doesn't have one. He's contended a lot. Uh, Victor Hovland. Sam Burns, Zalatoris, Horschel are the names in the top 15 in the world rankings that don't have them. Yeah, so, I would, I would, yeah. I mean, I'd say I Xander's would, the best of all those. I would say Cantley has had, had been the best player over the course of the, the last year and a half to not, to not, but I think over the past five years, it's been Xander. in terms of how he's contended in majors and how close he's come. I mean, he had, then he's had a couple, two or three runner-up finishes in majors. Uh, hold, please. Definitely a bunch of top. Uh, definitely a bunch of top fives. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine top tens. He's had yeah. two two runner-ups, and one, two, three other. So five total top fives. Sorry, Damn. four other. So six total top fives. In, in majors. So, yeah, he's uh, he's contended a whole bunch. So, yeah, I think he would be your man as a number one player Yeah, to not have won a major so far with, like you said, yeah, Cantley probably has the better track record in the last 18 months, but the last five, six years, it's Xander, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So... But, um, yeah, so I, I do love watching Lynx golf. It was fun. I'll say this it, it from a telecast standpoint, because it was co-sanctioned, the first half of the telecast was the European tour coverage. And the second half then went over to the CBS broadcast. They could have let CBS take the weekend off. Um, there's just something about the accents, the British accents yeah. from the European guys. <laughs> Um, you're gonna say that <laughs> it sounds better. The I thought they were charming and interested and gave me some information, and then it just seems better watching Lynx golf. No offense, Jim Nance or Dottie Pepper, but yeah. um, you know, because there is Faldo on there and he's got a British accent, and um, Illman's South African, so it kind of sounds a little British, but um, <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I just, I, I, I just, the it just, it just felt more. Authentic. It it reminds me of those times as a kid when you're watching, you know, watching it early in the morning, uh, and you've got the, you know, the the British accents, and then you got the recap after. And I don't know who the, 
or Peter uh, Alice or yeah, probably Peter Alice. And it's just like, it seems so like, it seems like there's so much prestige surrounding this event because yeah. of the, because of the announcers. And it really is. I mean, it's, it is the oldest major. It is the, you know, the original, the OG. Yeah. So it is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and this is the 150th playing of the open championship, which, which is remarkable. You know, the other thing that I think is kind of cool is who's the guy that always wins these monumental, you know, championships with these, you know, poster years. And it's either Jack or Jack or Tiger. And yeah. I mean, part of me is like, it's at St. Andrews. It's the 150th open championship. I mean, is there any possible way that this guy can contend? I mean, I don't even need him to win. Just, just get in the mix a little bit. I mean, it would be crazy. It would be such, a crazy thing if you got it would be i think he's gonna play okay he's not gonna win no he's, he's not, not gonna win i mean but it would fun. be it's the like most win the lottery it's like come on just give me like it a would day be the most ridiculous it. story ever if he won this thing this weekend i mean but how fun would it be for like the first two rounds he's like a couple back i mean oh, would yeah you get... i would i'd call in sick to work i'd you know <laughs> I I I would send my family away for the weekend on a vacation. <laughs> uh, if he was in contention uh, at any point, it would be uh, ridiculous. But um, before we get to the open, do do we want to? There has been a lot of developments, small talking points. There was the live golf event. So it's been a big subject here on on the pod. Um, everyone loves hearing us yell at each other about it. The Portland event was a couple of weeks ago. I tuned in a little bit. Um, there were a bunch of the press conferences from the new guys that joined the tour. Billy Horschel has since gone off on those guys. Tiger came out today and bashed those guys as much as Tiger's going to bash those guys and bash the tour and that live golf tour and, and Turn their backs on the the tour that got them to where they are, and there's been some legal some legal stuff going on. You know, a few of the of the uh, Euro guys got into the Scottish Open because um, they appealed the suspensions, and the courts ruled that you know there was an injunction and they could play while it's being you know going through the legal process. So that's why it was pretty funny. Four guys got into that field, and. The Scottish Open wasn't thinking that they were going to get in the field. So that's why they had more players than they actually thought. And they put all four guys as twosomes off first thing in the morning. Like, here you go. It was like 6.45 a.m. Ian Poulter was out there, like, in the dark. Get after um, And now it comes out. I think it was, was it today? Yesterday? PJ Tour is under investigation by the Department um, of Justice for possible um anti-competition stuff with how they're handling this which they also went through in 1994 when norman first tried to start a rival golf league um those there was never any charges brought against the tour in 94 um for a similar thing so i i did see a quote from some pj tour official that said they were expecting this so we'll see where that goes paul casey has joined Will Zell, Torres, and Spieth have, have both had to come out and shut down rumors that they were going over. Um, so I, I don't know where your take is. It, if we need to go in-depth on any of this stuff, if the Portland event 
Um, I'll say this. So I watched, I was on vacation during the Portland event and I, I threw it up on the TV just to see. It was kind of on the background a couple of the days. I threw up my mouth a lot, um, was kind of the general theme. Um, Cause it is state run media listening to Jerry Fultz just blow Greg Norman in the Saudis and live golf. It's like, dude, it doesn't come off very well. Like the amount of propaganda that was coming out of these people's mouths was <laughs> ridiculous. I'm like, just talk about the golf. Like, don't no one's buying this. Like, it's just like overkill. Like, dude, I, I yeah. know that they're paying you. I know you work yeah. for them in that. They're getting bad press and you want to talk them up and, and try to convince people otherwise. But man, it doesn't come off that great. Just talk. And then there's some golf, some of the announcers. Um, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. The lead guy, the British guy who is came from the soccer world. Um, he does the Premier League. It's driving me nuts. I can't remember his name. He doesn't know golf. Like somebody hits a nice yeah. pitch shot, and he's like, "Oh my god, that was impressive!" Like every like, dude, he hit a pitch <laughs> shot to four feet. Like, come on, come on. How, was this the first pitch shot you ever seen over a bunker? Like, what are we looking at here? Like. <laughs> And, and yeah. Jerry Fultz like, oh, yeah, it's such a family out here. It's not like that on the PGA Tour. It's, it's a family out here. I'm like, yeah, because Patrick Reed has so many friends. He's just changed in a week. He's all of a sudden <laughs> – and Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, like they're all just going out and breaking bread together. Like these guys didn't change in a week, Jerry Fultz. Like, I'm sorry. And hell, the did PGA he, Tour's did, the PGA did Tour's Jerry warm family – did he say this is like a family? It's not like that on the PJ tour. <laughs> yep, exactly. Those were almost his exact words. I'm like, wait a minute. Actually, it's probably more like a family on the PJ tour now. You hear more and more of these guys staying together and going up to dinner and way more now on the PJ tour than you did 25 years ago. Like, I will say they looked like a family on that super huge Airbus, the live Airbus that they were on. Yeah, I mean, it, that so was that's that so was crazy. My whole take on the live golf right now is it is. The Live Golf Tour is all they're trying to do. They're not even trying to sell the public on Live Golf. They're just trying to sell the other players that are currently on the PGA Tour on Live Golf. That's what the, the broadcast is doing. You got fucking Taylor Gooch saying it was like a, a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup up out there. That, like, are you was, fucking kidding me, dude? Like that was pretty that was pretty bad. Like um like and you get the, uh, the, the cringeworthy douchebag answers these guys are giving at the press conferences. Like, just say it, guys. You want a lot of money, and you don't really want to compete anymore. Don't, don't give me the, oh, it's a better schedule for me, Pat Perez, and I had to miss my a kid's birth. No, you, no one forced you to play in that PJ Tour event, Pat. You were already in the example he gave. He was 116th on the FedEx Cup points. Well, guess what? That gets you your card for next year. You didn't have to play in the first playoff event. If you wanted to go to the berth, you could have gone to the berth. The PJ Tour only requires you to play 15 events a year to keep your status. If you play 30, yeah. Pat, Patrick Reed, that's on you. That's not on but the PGA the, Tour. It, it comes down to the, the money part of it. I mean, Pat Perez made one point whatever million. What did he, what, no, just under a million dollars. He made $900,000 and he shot 80 on Saturday. Exactly. You know, I mean, and, and so that, that's, I think that's where he was going with it. Not so I, I get that. Couldn't. It's, it's obviously less, less events and you're making more money on, on a per event basis. I, I get that. But Liv already announced next year they're going to 14 events. If the majors let them in, that means these guys are playing in 18 events. That's not much less. I actually went back and looked. 
Kepka, yeah. DJ, DeChambeau, they play in like 22 events a year. So that's really yeah. not much less than what you're already but a playing. Lot more, but definitely a lot more money. And so what the, is and that? But the, what is the requirement, though, to playing in the, in those events? I haven't heard that yet. Like how many in of the live those golf? 14 events? Yeah. Well, they're, no, so their plan is next year to have 14 events and every player be a contracted player. And which means them. they which have to sign play. them, which means yeah. they're playing. They're playing yeah. all 14 events. So, hey, Patch Perez, that which, kid that you missed the birth for is now graduating college or high school. You're missing that, too, because you can't make your own schedule. The Souders are going to make their yeah. schedule for you. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I, again, I wouldn't blame them for, I mean, still 14 events. Uh, most of those guys play way more than that because they need to make money. Um, so it, it, it comes down to, I know that you say you want to play less golf and you're going to be able to play less golf because you're going to make more money. Um, so, you know, Pat Perez, you know, 25, 30 event guy a year. Now DJ was, you know, his claim was that he wanted to play less golf and make more money is really comes down to, it's just more money um, yeah. because he's going to end up playing roughly the same amount of events that it's going to be roughly the same, be a, a few, yeah. a few less, same with Brooks, same with Bryson. Um, but, but way more money. And, and again, I think the thing that I like about the whole the whole shenanigans uh, is not uh, not that I could care less about the live tour, honestly. Um, is just the fact that again I've said this before, but uh, the PJ tour is now making some they're making some changes, they're making some adjustments, which I think in the end is going to be like uh, them co-sanctioning with the the DP tour, like us getting a chance to see like the Scottish Open like in real time, and it's like a flagship event. Awesome. You know, well, yeah. So uh, now they've now they've now strengthened that alliance so that alliance was was announced a year or two ago and now because of all this going on they came out last week and strengthened their alliance i can't remember when that was in the timeline and, and mclean and i broke down um when you were in pittsburgh we broke down some of the changes because that was the week the pga tour came out and talked yeah. about the, the changes to the schedule that they're making and those three no cut high dollar events and the, and the increased purses on a few of those elevated events and so we, we broke that down and, and you're right. Yeah. The live golf is making the PJ tour make changes. Again, I, I'm always come at this from a fan. Is it going to be a better product that we're going to watch? I'm still not sure of that yet. Yeah. Maybe the increased purses in those elevated events, get, get more of the top guys to play in it. So we, we do get better fields and stronger fields and yeah. 14 of the top 15 in the world. Just like we just had the Scottish open. So maybe that, that does happen. Um, I don't know. I'm a little pessimistic. Um, on the entire world of golf right now. I'm like sad about it. Um, I think, I think you just be, you just have to be patient with it. And my, I know that anytime there's a, a change like this, there's always a, a dip. Um, and you're like, Oh, this is, it's going to, it's going to, this is over the golf as we know it's, it's going to be gone. And you're right. It probably will be golf as we know it prior to this will be, will be gone. But that doesn't mean that the new, the new golf can't be better. And I think it can be much better, um, more entertaining. Um, I think when you put pressure on somebody, they're going to, they're going to find a way to rise to the occasion. And I think the PGA tour will do it. And even if, even if they don't, even if there's no merger with the, the live golf tour. Okay. So you've got these 50 plus guys that have, that are playing, I don't, you know, that's the other part. It's like obviously 48 man fields, but you got 60 players. Like, who who decides who plays each week? Like the, I haven't, I have not still to this day, I've not seen any type of um, 
anything that tells us how these guys get in these events, how they get picked. Was there any ranking system? Like, well, because even right now the teams are all changing. Like Taylor Gooch was on a different team in the first event than he was on the second. He actually was a captain on another team in the first event. Now all of a sudden he was on DJ's team in the Portland event. So it's like, what? What's going on here? Yeah, Yeah, we don't we don't know yet. So, but but again, my point is of these guys that that have kind of gone over uh if the pj tour if they're able to stick with this and ban these guys you know for life and the live tour just fades away and these guys you know don't play any golf anymore i mean really who are we missing you know um and we've talked about this a a lot of these guys are yeah you're missing dj um you know you're missing you know i I could care less about paul casey playing in a pj tour event i'd never watch him no one cares about that um i think having really i mean he I don't like Brooks. I don't like Bryson. I don't like Patrick Reed, but I think those are good guys to have on the PGA tour to have sure, those sure. villains, to have that little drama and those, those side storylines and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, but if they, if it gets to a point where the live tour, uh, they, and the PGA tour never come together, um, then, but the PGA tour becomes better and the DP tour is better. And the, and, the way they take care of the players is better and there's more money there for the players to, to develop them and to, and to re- repay them for what they, what they've done, then, then that's great. If we lose out on DJ and that's the only guy we lose out on, then there'll be somebody else to fill his spot in three to five years. And yeah. well, and it'll be just as healthy as it, as it was, you know, I mean, look at four years ago, we didn't know who Colin Moore Cower was. We didn't know who Victor Hobbin was and we didn't know who, you know, I'll throw Matt Wolf in there. I always said that I thought he was the third best player in that group. Or throw um, use Scotty Scheffler as the other guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but we didn't know who these guys were, but they came out and they hit the hit the ground running. And, you know, these guys are over there. If they never play another PJ Tour event, there's going to be another stud uh, that comes in and can and can take that take that spot if the PJ Tour does the right thing and, and makes and makes sure that they they do not, you know, defect and go over to the to the live tour and, and get paid. They're going to have to pay them. I don't know how you're going to keep any young talent if they don't pay them. Um, they're going to have to find a new so way. So I think it all it all falls down to. And, and McLean and I talked about this last or two weeks ago. The official World Golf Rankings. It's all in the hands of how that goes down because the way the process works is you have to prove yourself as a legitimate tour for a year and then you can kind of say hey we want world ranking points and then it can take up to a year to actually get those world ranking points approved yeah. so we're talking about a potential two-year process here yeah. for them to get this in the meantime if these guys are banned and we don't know what's going to happen because nothing's really happened legally wise you know legal wise on on the american soil and no lawsuits yet from any of these guys and how that happens. But if they get banned from the PJ tour event, they're just going to lose world ranking status yeah. every week. They're going to lose points and lose points and lose points. And they're going to go down Then they're all going to fall out of the top 50. And then they're not going to get into the majors mm-hmm. and none of these, you know, these um, guidelines for entry are going to fit them. You know, the past champions will, but, they're going to fall and fall and fall out of the top 100 in the world at some point by this time next year, if they can't play in PJ tour events. So even if they were to then get, let's say the, the, the world ranking board gives them points in a year and a half, they're going to be so far down that the strength of their field is going to be so poor 
because it's only 48 guys that are all out of the top 100, it's going to take these guys forever to get enough world golf ranking points to get back up into the top 50 in the world to get back into the majors. And I think that's where it all falls is the world golf rankings. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they don't get any world ranking points uh, or it's not, the process hasn't been started, then that'll certainly, you know, put a damper on, on the live tour. Uh, no question. So actually but, it just came out. It just started. Um, so Peter Dawson, the former um, executive director of the RNA is now the head of the world golf rankings, whatever, whatever his title yeah. is. He actually just came out and said that they applied on July 6th. Um, for world golf ranking points. For points. So even if they expedite it, it's probably still going to be a year at least before. Yeah. But now they also don't meet the guidelines. The guidelines are for the world golf rankings also state that it has to be 72 holes. You have to have a cut. You have to have, a, I, I forget the minimum number of players, um, whether it's 100 players, 120 players, whatever it is. They don't meet any of those guidelines either. So yeah, it's not 120 players to get world. It's it's got to be a 70, 70 player field or something like that because you've got your WGC events. All those they all have yeah. 70, 70 players. But but yeah, if it if it if it means if it's 72 holes, do they change that format and and to, in order to comply? Do they because if they don't if they don't do that and um and players like oh you guys are never going to get world ranking points and that's like okay well then i'm not going to take that chance i mean i know that's a lot of money but if if i'm if it's if i'm taking this money for a dead-end tour that's going to dissipate in a year and then i'm kind of blackballed from which some of the young guys you can always go back and work go through q school and work your way up that way i mean it's not like you can't ban a player who's never played on the pga tour yeah yeah, if a, a player decides to play this tour as a young college guy, he's like, I, I have no allegiance to the PGA Tour, and it doesn't work out, and you want to go, you know, go to Q school and work your way up, then they have no no way to tell you you can't do that. Um, so it, it just you're right; it just depends on on how that how that all shakes down. But if if in fact it it does happen the way that it they're saying it's going to, um, then and they keep paying players these college players to come out, you know, I. I don't see why a college player would go to Q school and risk, you know, getting through Q school and, or not having a place to play and not have any money, um, then taking, you know, three to 5 million to go play yeah. over there. Well, and that goes, um, that kind of takes us to what, what Tiger was saying today. Um, you know, Tiger came out and pretty hard against live and, and just said that he doesn't like what it's going to do to the game or how they're doing it. And, you know, he, he specific, you know, because we said 54 holes and guaranteed money. Like, why are you going to go practice? Why are you going to go grind it out in the dirt when you can have a chance for the, the history? And um, he singled out some of the, the young guys, you know, not by name, but just said the young guys that have, you know, went from the amateur rank straight to live golf. Like if, if it doesn't work out world golf rankings or these majors decide against these guys, some of these kids may never play at St. Andrews in a, in a U.S. Open, may never play Augusta. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Tiger's obviously a staunch defender right now of, of the PGA tour. And, um, he's really the only player in all honesty, that's probably bigger than the PGA tour is Tiger. He's probably the biggest voice in golf. And so, um, you know, the way well, I see I it, mean, it's, it's McLean and Jay versus Tiger and Mike. So we'll, we'll take you on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, let's not, I'm, I don't give two shits about, no, I know, I know, I, you know, it's, it's really comes down to, uh, like I've said before, I just like to see 
I like to see you, you say, uh, I like competition and I do. And this is one of the things that I like to see. I like to see, I hate when somebody, uh, is not their, their hand is they, it's like having a monopoly. Like there's no one telling them there's, they're not, they're not bettering the system. They're not bettering the players because no one's forcing them to, Hey, it's working. Don't mess with it. Right. Don't mess with it. It's working. We're it's working for them. It's not working for everyone. It's not working for all the players, but it's working for us. So don't mess with it until somebody says, Hey, it's actually not working for us. Um, we're going to go. Well, and that's here. the hard part about the PJ tour though, is because so for our listeners, we just did an interview with, um, Joseph Brantlett, that PJ tour member that we'll be putting out this week as well. The tough part about the PGA tour is because it's a player run organization, there's different classes of players. Mm-hmm. There's the Joseph Brantlett's of the world who are grinding to keep their card. And then there's the Roy's of the world who think, or the DJs or, or the Brooks and the Bryson's that are saying, Hey, we're not making as much as we're worth or we're valued on the PGA tour. Um, but it's a meritocracy. So that that's where it falls. It's like, okay, if you make one rule, you could benefit the Joseph Brantlett, Callum Tarams of the world, but hurt the Rory's of the world and the JTs. Or you can make another rule where you're going to benefit the top guys, but then maybe potentially hurt the bottom guys. And I think that's where the hard part is for the PGA yeah. tours is they're stuck in the two classes of players. Yeah. You know? And I, and I think, Again, kind of what we talked about earlier, I think you could change that with how you market your players. So they strictly, they thrive off of what people have gravitated towards. And it's, 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 it's kind of cyclical. Like, okay, I want to watch Bryson DeChambeau because he's good and he's playing well. Um, I don't watch him, you know, and some people, as you get to know him more, you learn more about him because he's in the spotlight more. So, but if we find a way to, to highlight some of these players that you don't know, um, more and more and more, like, let's go through the list of the players on the tour. I want to know who these guys are. Um, let me see, tell me more about them. Like, you know, let's highlight some of these younger guys that maybe they're not in the, on the top of the leaderboard, you know, let's, let's spread that out a little bit. So we've got a bigger viewership and, and I think it's easier for them to justify spreading that wealth between all those guys, not just those top guys. Well, and I think that's where something um, like, um, not that it's a it's a PJ Tour production, but this new Netflix show, you're gonna see guys yeah. now. Now, granted, a lot of them are the top guys, you know, but yeah. there are the the Harry Higgs and the Joel Damons, yeah. and um, there are a couple guys that are on that list of of the twenty or so. I forget how many there were that that they're following and and kind of profiling that aren't the top twenty yeah. guys in the world that you're gonna watch and you're gonna learn more about and say, man, damn, I like that guy. And, yeah. and start to follow them. And so if the PGA Tour can kind of draft off of this show when it comes out yeah. and do some more of that stuff, whether it's social media-wise or their own productions or a show on the Golf Channel or something, you know, because, I mean, it's it's hard, you know, from the networks of CBS or NBC to profile a Joseph Brantlett if he's T45 or, right, because yeah. the guy sitting on his couch, they don't want to watch you know, Joel Damon, when he's tied for 30, if they want to watch the guys that are in the top 10, they're like, wait, wait, show, show me the guys in the top 10. Show me what's going on at the top of the leaderboard. Um, and so it's, yeah. it's hard for them. They got to pick and choose their spots. And that guy's got to yeah. be really in contention to, to tell that story. So that's why I think yep. they need to do stuff off air, meaning, you know, off the, the golf telecast to try to 
boister these guys up a little bit. But yeah. I mean, hell, I have the same complaint from the you know Major League Baseball. I think that's why that sport's they, going bye bye in our country because they don't market they don't market their players at all. They're the worst. Major League Baseball is probably the worst major sport in in North America uh, in terms of marketing the players. It's it's atrocious. Like it's it's so it's bad. bad. Like you don't know anything about any of these guys, and and the they're they're wearing you know look at the NFL like some of these guys are are getting marketed more than than baseball players and I, I know that everyone loves football but they're also wearing helmets for the majority of I mean the whole game yeah you, know you what don't they look see like. their faces you don't know who they are but you look at baseball and golf like these guys you see these people you see their faces you know who they are you can recognize these people um, and they and they they st- they're yet to to really push and and I, I I agree with your point though like it's hard to market a guy who's who's, you know, T45. Um, but you need to have like this, this player profile thing where even when a guy, I mean, you know, it too, when we get in the mix, like on Saturday and Sunday, you can have a guy in the top five and they never show him. They never talk about Mm -hmm. him. They'll show the same guy over and over. You know, if it's, if Tiger's playing, we see every single one of Tiger's shots, even if it's in 40th place. And I get it. Um, because everyone wants to see him, but well, all of a sudden you got a guy in the top five and you never even show him not one yeah. single shot coming down the stretch. And it's like, wait a second. You know, why are you not showing this guy? I mean, he's playing his tail off right now. I want to know who this is. What's his story. He's got a chance. Like, and that's the part that you wonder where, what's going on with that. Um, and again, I'm and I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a telecast problem or a tour problem. I don't know who controls that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, but they've got to work together on that, you know? the PJ tour and, and the, and the networks have, a, have a deal together. I'm like, Hey, we need to, you need to find a way to showcase these players during this time. We've got a, we've got a, a brand here that we want to, we want to spread. And I think that, again, that's, that's the whole conversation is these guys don't feel like they're, they're getting compensated for all the work and all the time that they put in. I mean, that's just one of the elements. Yeah. Um, but so. we'll see, but I, I do think it's, I think it's, I think it's, Moving in the right direction, uh, even um, though just it looks like it's going backwards. But I think in the grand scheme of things, uh, the changes are in motion, and I think that's a, a great thing. Whether you know, again, whether it's the live tour or any other tour that comes on to try to kind of make it better in the long run. Yeah, we'll see. Um, there's a very strong chance I'm going to try to apply for a media credential with Live Golf. Do it. Um, my goal is to maybe try to go to the event. They're calling it the Boston event. It's like 40 minutes outside of Boston. Um, actually caddied at the club. It's called the international. Yeah, international. going to be in September. Um, I may actually try to apply. I don't know why I'm saying this on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I, may, I may try to, I may try to go through the process to get a credential for their next event in Jersey at Trump's place, not that I'm going to go, but just to see if they would actually say yes in, in the process that I have to go through of what they're asking for. Um, just to see if there's any chance to get it for the quote unquote Boston event. Um, but I don't want to guarantee anything folks to all the listeners out there, but there's a, there's a big part of me that I want to ask someone a question at a press conference. Uh, and just say, Hey, Mike Maroney, Merchant Nine Golf Podcast. And that's it. And then, um, <laughs> you didn't make sure you have 
somebody else videoing you. <laughs> yeah. And then I need security. Um, make sure I don't get kicked <laughs> out or <laughs> anyone has any big Maybe friends. You should... Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, I'm, if you're going to do that, I'm not going to be with you. <laughs> get somebody Thanks for your support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you get knocked down, dragged I, out. I don't know that guy. I don't know who he is. He's not associated with our podcast. Yeah, I don't know that guy. He's from, from the. I think area. if I'm on American, I think if I'm on American soil, I'm okay. Um, I'm not sure I'll be covering any of your events internationally because that. <laughs> I mean, could be tough. Saudi's got a track record that I don't want to test. So, <laughs> I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. That's smart. Uh, so we'll 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 keep you keep all the listeners uh uh up to speed on, on what happens there with the uh live golf credential. Um not that I really want to support the event, but I just want to I I just want to see it in person. Um and I, I would I would be down to I mean again, we're I'm curious. I want I'm interested to see it. I mean so doesn't mean you have to like it. No, exactly. Yeah. Being curious and wanting to check it out doesn't mean you have to like it. Um, I want to ask Greg Norman a question. <laughs> I, I don't think they'd give question. me access to Greg Norman, but they did. They're really dumb. Um, if they gave um, me really, I mean, and let's be honest, if they gave me any access, this tour is not going to succeed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, dumb enough to say, yeah, this guy can come. Um. Anyways, so let's 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 move on to the Open Championship. We've already kind of briefly talked about it a couple times, but it is again an, an amazing week. It is our last major of the year, which sucks. Um, it's you know we got we got to wait a long time to the Masters, but um, yeah, I mean the Open Championship at St Andrews, 150th anniversary, like we talked about. Does it get any better than this um i think you asked this question i can't remember which major it was this year you would ask like what's our first memory of i can't remember if it's the masters of the u.s open or what it was but what's your first memory of the open championship um definitely uh, you know i'm trying to think if there's a specific moment um but i i I, I definitely, I think it, I think it's Greg Norman. <laughs> be honest with you, <laughs> I honestly think that my first memory is is you know way back uh, when when Greg Norman was competing and and at, at the top notch level, and he just had because the wind was blowing, he had that crazy super long like kind of moppy blonde hair, and I used to get him confused with Jack Nicholas because Jack Nicholas had kind of a similar. Similar color hair. Obviously, they didn't look alike. But I was like, oh, I was like, is that Jack Nicholas? And I'm like, oh, that's Greg Norman. I'm like, oh, Greg Norman. I was like, so you're talking you know, 90, 93? Yeah. Oh, yeah. even probably even before that, I guess. I mean, not, it wasn't one of the years that he, that he won, but just, oh, not when he won. There. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause he won in 86 and 93. So I wasn't sure if it was the one 80, of those years. 86 would, the, the 80s, late 80s would, would be right, you know five years old watching it on the tube TV, um, you know, I'm five years old. And I, that's, that's probably exactly right. Because I remember getting, I knew who Jack Nicholas was um, as a kid. And then I, I remember always thinking that because he had that golden hair, I was like, is that Jack Nicholas? And they're like, Nope, no, nope, got that wrong. But this guy's good too. Um, 
But back then, people liked him. <laughs> now, not, not so much. much. Um, uh, but yeah, watching the same thing we talked about earlier, just getting up early. You know, my, my dad would be watching it early in the morning. You know, I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? And it was just, it was a chance to hang out with my dad and watch, watch something on TV at seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. You know, like, um, it was just, uh, you know, kind of a cool experience. And then as I, as I grew into golf, you know, then it was the history uh, of the open that just was just crazy. Um, just going back a year after year after year. And, um, the broadcast, I'll, you're right though. I hate to say it, but the British accent really makes that tournament. It's, it, it has to, it has to, you have to have a British accent to call the open. And you just get, you get as soon as I hear it, you get pumped up and the, the, the fans are so like, uh, polished and they just understand golf and they clap when they're supposed to clap. They don't yell. They, it's just, you're like, oh, I don't yell is, mashed potatoes. Yeah, I don't need to hear mashed potatoes over and over. And I get it. There is a time and a place where that is fun to get rowdy, but it is refreshing to like, oh, this is the this is the home of golf here that we're talking about. And this is there's some real history here and real respect for respect for the history, uh, which is kind of neat. I think that each major has has that, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah, I I'm- feel like. Yeah, go ahead. I was just no, I was so going to say I, I just I just the, think the the open yeah because of the history and I'm a I'm a romantic at heart when it comes to this kind of stuff even like with other sports yeah. and I guess part of that is is I know I've I've made this point very clear on this podcast many times is being from from Boston the, the the history of our sports and our city and um it carries over to golf and golf's way older than all that and yeah, at St. Andrews, the the home of the Royal Ancient, the home of golf. It's just, it's just cool. You know, I, I haven't been over there. It's it's on my bucket list to get over there, obviously, and play and even just watch an open. Um, yeah, but you know, going back for me, like one of my first, I remember Faldo. I don't. I'm looking at it had to have been, I guess, ninety two, um, or ninety. I can't remember if it was ninety or ninety two when he won. I just kind of vaguely remember that. I do vaguely remember Ian Baker Finch in, in 91. Um, but my first like big time, like I was in front of the TV watching um, like every shot was daily in 95 at St. Andrews. Um, yeah. And partly because he was going up against Constantino Roca, who was like a no name, but the reason that was important is because I'm from an Italian family and he was Italian. And so like, it was like this cool guy with the long flowing hair that hit the ball a ton versus the Italian guy. And it was just, I can remember where I was. We were actually on, on uh, a weekend vacation and on the coast of Massachusetts and, and Duxbury visiting some family. And I remember like, like typically my dad and I were getting yelled at for sitting in front of the TV, watching golf. And <laughs> I don't know. I just, that's like my first memory happened to be at St. Andrews. Um, and I remember again, a vaguely the, the Faldo Baker Finch ones in the earlier nineties. Um, Cause I mean, by, by John Daly, I was, I was already 11, but um, I had been playing golf for five years, but um, yeah. I, and it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just cool. And the fact that like St. Andrews, like I'm a, I'm a minor architect nerd when it comes to golf courses that yeah. it's, was basically created by weather and goats that it's like 
It's, 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 crazy. it's cool. It's just, it's different golf. I love links golf. The only time I've ever played it really uh, is, is band and dunes. And I just have affinity. I like playing the ball and seeing the ball roll and using slopes and that kind of stuff. The aerial stuff just doesn't do it for me. Um, maybe cause I'm not very good at it, but, um, <laughs> can I just top all of these shots on the, yeah, I mean, I can just, sort? you're telling me I can skull this thing. It's going to go all the way up onto the green. Um, <laughs> As long as I avoid a bunker. Awesome. I guess I'll do that all day. Um, and so, yeah, I just, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just cool. And so, you know, uh, like we said, the 150th being back at, at St. Andrews, and this is obviously a little delayed because of COVID, um, which was supposed to be last year, technically, if you look at the dates, um, because right. the 2020, then they never had a, a, uh, an open, so um That's they right. they kind of yeah, change your totally schedule. Yep. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's 150 years. And you just talk about the the history. And I was listening to a podcast and I apologize, I forget who put it out. I, I changed my mind. It was the uh golf digest, their local knowledge podcast. So I'll, I'll give them a little tip of the cap. They put out some ones occasionally that are that are pretty good. And um they're just talking about you know where it started and and basically for the Americans it was Arnold Palmer in 1960 coming over and winning at St Andrews is what really kind of kicked it all off and um, who's who of golf has went to St at, at St Andrews and um, here's a crazy stat and I, I just because I'm, I'm thinking at the top of my head uh, from 1963 to 1980 so what 17 years. Jack Nicholas. You know what his average finish position was in the British Open? Oh my gosh. 3.2. Are you kidding me? In a 17 year period, he won three times. He was runner up seven times. Are never, never finished outside of the top six in a 17 year period. Wow. So That's we always incredible. think of like Jack and like, in the masters, right. It's yeah. Jack and the British. Like that was his best event. Like, yeah. Um, good gracious. That's, that's incredible for 17 straight years. Never finished outside of the top six. Is that is, right? Are you, are you telling the truth? I swear to God, they had it up on the screen on the golf channel. Unless the golf channel was lying to me. Um, yeah. Well, it, did, did Randall Chambly say it or was it on the screen? Uh, Brandon, uh, both. He said it and it was, <laughs> there was a graphic. They made a graphic. <laughs> <laughs> could have been lying to them to put the graphic up there. I don't know, but <laughs> um, yeah. that's that's nuts. That's incredible. And so, I wish I had more knowledge of you know St. Andrews. Obviously, I just know what we've we've watched over the years on on TV. Um, but I was hoping McLean was going to be on the pod tonight because I know I'm not sure if he's played it or his dad's played it. I know his his dad went over and and he caddied for his dad when he was on the. Uh, the senior European tour over there and played some. So I was, I'm sure he has some sort of connection or has probably at least been there with his dad at some point. And so he could have given us a little more knowledge, but it's a quirky golf course, which is, I don't mind quirky. Um, it's hard to aim out there from everything I've heard. And obviously there's a massively rolling fairways and there's what 12 holes that share greens out there. That's that's, Cool. That's different. I mean, it's, different. it's a cluster for for routing and and getting pe- logistically getting people around. But it's yeah, and that's it's, it's not cool. really a great 
they're saying it's it's not a great spectator course because you basically just have to be on the perimeter because the they outside. share on the outside because we say share fairways and they share greens you can't get anyone in the middle of the golf course yeah um, and so from a spectator it's not great but from a a viewer at home it's fantastic but yeah and so for, for our listeners a little tip all the greens that that are shared equal 18 so two and 16 share a green Three and fifteen no share a green. Four and fourteen share a green. That's that's the that's a little trick. So from two, two through eight and uh, twelve through sixteen, ten through sixteen. Um, sorry, math math live is not not smart to do. Um, <laughs> uh, share a green. So when you're watching, you'll know if they're on the on the fourth hole that also shares a green with the fourteenth hole. Huh. I, I did not know that after all these years of watching this, yep. that was one little stat that I did not know. And they're on average, they're like 22,000 square feet are the greens. Really? Talking about, so we're, we just went from the second smallest greens in major history at the country club to the largest greens in yeah. major championship history. But is that um, because they're basically two greens? Basically because they're two yeah. greens. Yeah. Yeah. There's no real diff- way to differentiate, you know, yeah. what's the second yeah, and what's the 16th. Yeah. So um, I'm mildly concerned they're going to just shoot low scores. And this has kind of been a talking point for a lot of people this week is that, you know, Faldo came out and said, hey, they're going to, someone's going to might, might shoot 59 this week. And wow. um, now, granted, <laughs> if you look at, if you look at St. Andrew's history, it's always, been decently under par even if you look at a lot of british opens that's been decently under par i mean colin morikawa won last year at 15 under you know shane lowry won 16 under molinari was eight under spieth was 12 under henrik stenson was 20 under zach johnson the last time it was played at at st andrews was 15 under mcelroy was 17 under so it's not not that hard of a test for these guys. Yeah, and it's was it, what what's the par? It's a par 72. There's but, but there's only there's only two par 5s and two par 3s. There's 14. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 14 par 4s. Yeah, what's the lowest score out there? Is anybody shot I know the court the major record is uh Brandon Gray shot 62 in that one event, but yeah, so that, I, like four or five sixty threes were one of them. Was one well, of so McElroy um, in two thousand ten, McElroy shot sixty three in the opening round at St Andrews, and then he shot eighty on Friday because it was like biblical. He got the wrong draw. Wins. Um, yeah. I think he ended up finishing like T third that week, um, but he shot eighty in the second round. But he had a sixty three at St Andrews in two thousand ten. Gosh, I mean, yeah, it's possible, I guess. You know, and you look at, and we were talking about this in the golf shop today at the foundry, you look at the hole by hole. And now granted with wind, some of these numbers don't matter, right? And, yeah. and you and I played Bandon when the wind was insane and just stupid. And I always use that example of we were at 13 abandoned dunes, par five, 530 yards. I hit driver nine iron and the next hole was 315 yards and I hit driver six iron. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. so like it, the number doesn't really matter. Um, but you look at this a lot of short par fours on this golf course. Yeah. 375, 
398, 414, 371, 352, 386, 351, um, 418, 356. I mean, how many? What is the to- what's the total yardage? It's like 7,200, 7,300 yards. Um, but I just listed off what seven seven holes that are under 420. That's in today's day today's day. That's a pitching putt. Off. Yeah. And I, sh- I sent you that video of how firm the fairways are there. They're saying it is crusty um, and firm and fast like they've never had there before, which is going to present challenges. Obviously, it makes a golf course shorter, but it can present challenges. Actually, Paul McGinley, right before we had signed on to do this, I, was, I had the live from on. And Paul McGinley was saying he had talked to someone from the RNA who was sitting behind 18 yesterday. And they watched 30 balls go out of bounds on number Over 18. Green. Over the green. Yeah long driving it through the green um and it sounds like it's going to be a westerly win which is going to be a crosswind it'll be left to right on the front nine right to left on the back nine except for one and 18 one and 18 are really the only ones that are going to be um it'll be into the wind on one and downwind on 18 and it sounds like it's going to stay that way the whole the whole weekend um which a crosswind is hard for these guys i mean they definitely would rather be into the wind or downwind. Yeah, crosswind is not good. Uh, um, makes it really tough to get the ball close to the hole because now, not only are you fighting against how much, how far do I play the the shot left or right, but now I've got to determine if if I catch the wrong uh, crosswind into slightly. That's now you're talking 20, 25, 30 yard difference. You know, especially when it's blowing 15, 20. Well, it could you be know. even more when it's that firm too. It gets going and it's not stopping. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, the crosswind is crosswinds are no good. Into the into the wind, downwind. You can you can alter your shot to to take some of the wind out of play when you're back directly into the wind or vice yeah. versa. Um, and you still have a chance to get the ball close to the hole, but crosswind makes it really difficult. So um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out because yeah, I saw that, that video that one of the caddies, I think you sent that to me, the caddy just banging on the turf and it was just, it sounds like he was hitting his club on a concrete. It was, yeah, it was, was <laughs> remarkable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, how do you even, how do you even take a divot, like hit a ball? I feel like the club is just going to bounce just, off of the, yeah, I know. Um, well, did you hear, um, bones suggested and i'm not sure if he's doing it or not to jt that he take the three wood out of play and put two 60 degree wedges in the bag oh one with like a low bounce and one with like normal bounce one with very low bounce 60 degree that he can use to chip around the greens with on the tight lies but then one with a normal bounce for when he's in the bunkers and needs to hit those because it's like he was basically saying to jt and some of this audio was caught like we're not going to hit any three woods here like it's either yeah. if you're going to hit driver, you're going to hit driver, or you're going to yeah. lay back with some sort of iron off the tee. There's and you don't need any of the three woods on the par fives. It's like we don't need this club today. It's a driver or an iron off the tee, and we're never going to hit off the fairway. So let's add I a mean, sixty degree. I hey, I, I think mean, it's a great I've, play. In seen, all honesty, you've seen Tiger do that with his with his club setup, and as long as it was a functional, you know the you see the other the other times players have done that. Uh, like a Phil Mickelson with the 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 two uh, what he put the two drivers in play, or, or yeah. well he did two he he did two drivers one was a draw driver one was a cut driver which you're you're an idiot 
And the other one was he, when he took the, or maybe it was he took the the driver out of play and put the he draw. Did, he's, done, he's done both. He's done both. He's had two drivers in the bag and zero drivers in the bag. That that's the dumbest well, thing that I've ever. No, but Jay, Phil is smarter than you. He's smarter than everyone. It obviously didn't work. I think he shot eighty something <laughs> that when he did that. It's like, dude, you. What do you think that just hitting a three wood means you're going to automatically hit the fairway? Yeah, I mean. That's that's my whole thing with with hitting three wood off the tee. Like hit three wood when if you hit your driver too far, you go into trouble. Don't hit yeah. your three wood because it's narrow and you want to hit the fairway. Because Jesus, they're not that different. There's, you're only talking about you know th- four or five degrees of loft for most for most people. Yeah, and that's not a, that's not and, that's not an automatic <laughs> inch, probably inch inch and a half in length. Like yeah, just choke your driver down. Like yeah. <laughs> Just hit it hard and far, and if you get in the rough, you get in the rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I just can't wait. It's going to be an awesome week. Um, I'm, I, you know, as, as we get here towards our, our picks, I think it's going to be someone who has precision with their irons, but they're gonna, you're going to have to chip and putt well. Like, you know, if you can yeah. get a little creative around the greens, you're going to have some awkward pitch shots with how undulating this stuff is. Um, the, whether the fairways are undulating, the greens are undulating, it's all undulating. You're going to have some awkward bunker shots. You're going to have a couple 150-foot putts on these greens. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, with with wind, you know, those six-footers become way more difficult. Those three-footers become way more difficult with wind. The greens we know are not, Augusta National Greens that they're just pure as can be. They're going to be a little bit bumpy. They're going to be a little bit slow. What are they fescue? Like most most of the greens over there. So are like I actually think real tight fescue. I think it's actually bent uh, in like Po. It might be fescue. Um, I thought I, actually, I thought I read that they're 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 fescue, but maybe but, maybe that was last week at the at the Scottish. Um, you could be right. I, I can't. I, I actually read it this afternoon, and I don't remember now what it said. Um, which over there, it's not not uncommon to have that the fescue run all the way through. So I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, curious. that's how it is at Bain and Dunes. Actually, They're, those greens yeah. are fescue, and they just every everything's fescue. And they just cut different lengths. <laughs> they just cut it down, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. So like when I was going through my picks, like I told you jokingly, I, I changed my lineup a whole bunch. Um, there's a lot of guys I like that I just ended up not picking. So I'll tell you some guys that I did not pick. Ooh, we're going we're going backwards, huh? I'm going to tell you guys that I did not pick, but I could easily see them playing very well this week. I really, I really wanted to change my lineup right now. (laughs) I really (laughs) wanted to take Rory. Um, Yeah, me too. But at the top dollar, it was hard to figure out on my team to fit him in there. Um, I picked Spieth. I think you picked Spieth when we did our season preview at the beginning of January. Um, and he played. Damn, I did, didn't I? Yeah, we all, all three of us picked him. Yeah. We all picked right. Spieth for this. Um, I could easily see him. He hits his irons well. We know he has a ton of creativity around the greens. Um, for some reason, I just did not pick him. And he's my guy. Uh, you make fun of me. You call me a little bitch when I pick him, but I do, I, I do make fun of you. I I I wanted to pick him, but I didn't. I do have him in a separate lineup, but in my primary lineup, I did not um did not take him, but I can I can see him. He played pretty well this past weekend at the Scottish, didn't have a great um Sunday. 
Um, I can see him playing well. I can see a guy like Cam Smith playing well. Windy conditions, great wedge player. I can see him doing well. I can see Matt Fitzpatrick, who I have picked in like every major until this week, playing well. Can he go back to back majors? Yeah, that's 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 hard, right? Um, but you don't need him to in DraftKings. But can he finish top ten? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been up there all year. He's been playing so well. So why did I not pick him? I don't know. It's probably I, a mistake. You're like, why did I not? Why did I? Yeah, not I'm not like going to talk. I'm going to be changing my team for the twentieth time now. Um, he has been playing some damn good golf. Yeah, he really has. I mean, it's um just freaking stellar what he's been doing uh no matter where he plays no matter the conditions or what yeah. he's doing he he plays well uh i don't think i don't think a Scheffler and a rom are going to contend for some reason i'm just not feeling them at the moment um i'm not feeling more kawa xander we talked about xander earlier i think he could easily contend i don't think he's going to win but i think he could easily contend zalatoris i had on one of my teams and then took him off and then put him on and took him off um, the thing with Zalatoris is he just doesn't have the experience around this place. I think that's going to matter a little bit. Um, yeah, and then the, like the, the the putting with the wind and the like putting yep, exactly just makes a big. It makes it super tough. So you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, another element in there. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Hatton or a Fleetwood up there. Um, but those are some guys that I did not take. I could see um, easily playing well and contending and then making myself regret not taking them after I had just said that they could play well. So, um, all right. You want to go through your team? Um, yes. Okay. You named a bunch of players that I have on my list <laughs> um, that you did not take, which is great. That means that we have different lineups. So I'll start from the bottom and work my way up. I've got uh, Mr. Keegan Bradley at 7,200. Didn't play well at the Scottish Open, but he, he just basically had one bad round. But he's been playing some really good golf. And yeah. I always, I always, anytime a guy goes over and does the Scottish Open or the, the event prior to, there's always that element of jet lag, getting set, getting settled. You've been there for now a week. You maybe have one bad round. And now you've you've had if he did miss the cut, he's had extra days over at St. Andrews. So he's had some time to really get to get acclimated. So and he's been playing good golf. So it does it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out, plays some solid golf, gets the top 25. Um, then I move over to uh same price range, 7,200. This is my sleeper. Uh this guy's been killing it on the on the DP tour this year. Uh Jordan L. Smith. And he actually hurt me last week. I had picked him in another another uh, a pool that I have, and he played poorly the last day. Had he played just halfway decent, I would have won the pool. But he is he the guy it. that made the hole in one, and him and his caddy won a car last weekend. I don't think so. There's a guy. I could I it might it might have been him. Like early in the it, week, it was like Thursday or Friday. He made oh, a hole in one. Oh, he did. And him and his caddy, because it was sponsored by Genesis, both won a car. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, this guy has been just playing great. Now he's on his, I shouldn't say home, home uh, soil, but uh, yeah, he's, he is from England. So um, this is Scotland. Careful. They're, but, they're but sen- I'm saying he, those Brits are close. sensitive about that. They're yeah, I agree. 
but he's in he's in the same he's on the same the same general vicinity. So he is comfortable over here. Yeah. But um, anyway, he's been playing great. Thirteen or fourteen cuts on the on the DP tour. Like has been playing some really good golf, and he's priced at seventy two hundred bucks. Um, and he played really played great last week. He just had a bad front nine. Shot four over on the front nine and cost him a top tw- top ten. Um, uh, then I jump up to Max Homa, who also another player that I picked last week, who played great all week until the final round and kind of finished up poorly. I mean, he shot seventy one, but he he finished poorly. Yeah, he was playing well in that front nine on Sunday, and then faltered on the back nine. Playing some good golf. I mean, again, I feel like he's he's kind of trending in the right direction. Is he a guy that can, is going to win? Um, Probably not, but possibly like, I feel mm-hmm. like he, he's not in the, he's not in the same categories as Xander Shoffley, the best player not to win a major, but he certainly is capable and he certainly has played well under the, under the gun in the spotlight. Can he, if he's riding high and playing well, can he finish it off? I think he can finish it off. Um, but is he going to do it this week? You know, it's yet to be seen, but it's 7,900 bucks. I can see a bunch of birdies. I can see, you know, 80 points out of him um, easy um, over there with, especially how easy this place is going to be playing. Uh, um, and, and again, really nice short game there uh, and, and great ball striker, good control over his ball with all the wind and, and, and the firm fairways. So um, then I jump up to um, Mr. Tommy Fleetwood coming off of another solid week last week, 8,600 bucks. Again, uh, similar, similar characteristics, Great ball striker drives it straight. Um, comfortable playing over there, and uh, you know his putting stroke is always a little weird to me. I think it looks super uncomfortable the way he locks his right arm in, but it seems to work for him. Um, and then I jump up to Patrick Cantlay, who has not had great success um, playing in the British Open. I, sh- I can't call it the British Open anymore. The Open Championship. Um, but, you know, he, I missed the cut last year and then a 41st and a 12th. But his recent events, obviously, we all know how well he's been playing um, as of late. You know, the last four events, you know, nothing outside of the top 14. Um, and then I move over. I shouldn't say over. I move up uh, to Mr. Matthew Fitzpatrick, who has been playing his tail off. And I just don't see how this guy doesn't play well. I mean, I, yeah, obviously, I mean he's almost like guaranteed myself. a top 10, I feel like. Uh, you know, and that sounds terrible to say that, but the guy's just been playing so good. And now again, I, I'm, I, he, he's not on home soil, but he is very close. You know, I mean, yeah. we're right, right over the, right over the water there. Uh, I, I don't see why he wouldn't play some yeah. good golf. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm going to regret not picking him because I've picked him like every major this year. And this is the one I'm not having him on my team. I, I, I may gamble a little bit this week and I may throw a top five bet on him or something like that. Throw a couple shekels yeah. out there on him on that Shekels. front. But as far as my DraftKings picks for the podcast, he's not on my squad, but it, you can't go wrong with him this week. So, all right, I'm going to go start at my bottom. One of my sleepers been playing well. He played in the Scottish open. So he got acclimated had, Finished T36, but he's had two top 10s before that on the PGA Tour. Keith Mitchell, $6,900. Here's a little tidbit, folks, on Keith Mitchell. His dad is a member of the RNA, and his sister 
went to St. Andrews University. So he has been over here. He knows the place. He's comfortable. The family loves the vibe in the city of St. Andrews. He's also in the last 24 rounds on the PJ Tour. He's number one in scrambling, which you're going to need to do this week. So I like Keith Mitchell as a sleeper at $6,900. This one, there's there's always that Euro guy kind of have heard of maybe in some of the WGCs, whatever, has been playing well. $7,100, New Zealand, plays on the DP World Tour, Ryan Fox. He finished 47th in the Scottish Open, but had a second, a third, a second in three of his last four events on top of that. Um, he And and then a second uh, and two events later. Yeah. I mean, in another second, I mean, an eighth and a ninth and a 15th and a first and a first. Yeah. Is that any good? Um, um, yeah, I need to find a way to get this guy in my life. <laughs> and he, I was doing a little reading up on him. He likes links golf. He likes St. Andrews $7,100. You will know Ryan Fox more at the end of the weekend. Um, then I go up to Mr. Max Homa. We do share Max. Um, he has proclaimed himself to love links golf. He is playing well. I mean, he's all the way up to 19th in the world now. Um, in, in all honesty, I think he's playing close to a top 10 player. I would, you know, DJ's ahead of him. Tony Finau's ahead of him. Um, Hideki's ahead of him on the world golf rankings. I would take him over all those guys right now with yeah. the way he's been playing. He, again, like you said, solid ball striker. Um, has some creativity and I just love the guy. If you didn't see this story last weekend, he plays Thursday, Friday at the Scottish open. He was in the early wave on Friday, makes the cut. They're in the city of North Berwick. And if you have heard anything about North Berwick golf club, some people say it's one of the best in the world and people just love it. And it's different. He decided to go play another 18 holes on Friday afternoon. This guy's in the middle of a PGA tour world event. And plays 36 holes. He puts his staff bag on a push cart, goes <laughs> with rolls. his coach and caddy, and they went and played a Twilight 18 at North Berwick. And then he plays again Saturday, Sunday. So he might be a little tired, a little worried about that. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know. He's just like a golf sicko, right? He just loves golf and he likes being over there. And so, um, like you said, it would not surprise me if he's one of those sneaky. We have, have seen a few sneaky. Um, you know, open champion winners um, in the was, last 20 years. Price? What was the, what was the price? $7,900. I think that's a great value for a 20th player and the 19th player in the world rankings. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah. should be, he should be higher. When I saw him at 7,900, I was like, I'm all over him. So um, then I'm going to go up to uh, Joaquin Neiman, $8,000. dollars Taking him a bunch this year. He's a great iron player, has a great short game as well. A lot of creativity around the greens. Hits the ball low, which I like as well in the windy conditions. Yeah. Um, so I like him at eight thousand. You're going um, hard. You're, you're going hard. I'm, I'm following the price points here. <laughs> you're going. You're going heavy here. These last two. And then I go up to my man. I'm pretty sure I have taken him in all four majors this year. Past champion, $9,300, Shane Lowry. Um, Sugar Shane. 
it's I, what what to say. The guy hits it well. He chips it well. He puts it well. He loves the conditions. I, I don't know why he wouldn't play solid. He's a past champion, um, obviously on a slightly different golf course at Port Rush a couple of years ago um, in Ireland, but he hasn't really disappointed me at all this year when I've picked him. So um, Shane Lowry is there. And then John Rom, you're going John Rom, or are you dropping down Justin Thomas? 10,500 JT. Oh my gosh. You didn't maximize your, your, your lineup here. Nope. You went with JT. I knew it. I knew you wouldn't maximize your lineup and go with John. You don't Rom. always have to maximize a lineup. It's a little tip, don't, tip, for, you tip don't. for the listeners. Pick who you like. Pick if the guy fits right. the course. Don't, don't just spend the dollars to spend the dollars. Um, I thought you were, I thought you were getting it to the point to say you could pick John Rom, but after you hearing you say earlier that you didn't think he was going to win, nope. I, was, I was like, oh god, nope. he definitely. JT ten thousand five hundred. Um, he didn't play well at the Genesis last week. He didn't miss the cut, which I, I'm not crazy about. But he's playing obvious, obviously very well this year. He was out there with Tiger. He's getting all the insider knowledge. He's hitting these shots. Uh, he has an awesome iron game. He has creativity around the greens. He has bones on the golf bag, which I think is going to be a huge factor this week. Um, I like him. I think he JT, he's going to win two majors this year. He's going to get it done. He's going to oh shove, shove it right in Tiger's face. Oh, Justin Thomas up. is your 2022 Open champion. Your oh. 150th champion golfer of the year mr God, justin thomas off if he wins <laughs> Jeez. that's all he needs for that that head i mean wow how big is his head now he's going to wear a size eight and a half fitted cap if he wins this i mean it's going to be ridiculous um just, i think he's in a good place um he's good he's a good golfer i'm not gonna lie he's good he's a I, fucking you know, great golfer he's a good golfer he's good <laughs> He's good. I mean, at least you didn't drop all the way down and waste eight hundred dollars to pick Jordan Spieth or Colin Morikawa, which you could have easily done. It wouldn't have surprised me. To have done that. <laughs> um, um, that's a good lineup, though. That is a really good lineup. I, I like uh, it. I, I, I did I, mess around with my lineup a whole bunch and had guys in and out, and some of those guys that I mentioned earlier that I didn't take were in at some point. But this is what I what I I feel good about. It. This is what I you know. I like the, the Ryan Fox, the Ryan Fox and the Keith Mitchell info. That's for the listeners. Though that's some good, uh, some good back knowledge on, on them. And I knew I had to find you know, a couple of low guys. You know, the the only caveat to Ryan Fox, and again, granted, uh, you know, I see two blemishes on his on his record here. Actually, three. And. If you look at those three events, those are the strong fields. The Genesis Scottish Open, dual PGA Tour event. Yep. Uh, uh, the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. Yep. Everything else, he's dominated. So it's uh, it's basically kind of maybe this is the week that he gets comfortable playing with the big boys and not against the secondary DP Tour, and he's able to. You're right. That's fine. Keep going, but at seventy one hundred bucks and how well he's been playing over there, and I, and I think we even talked about this the. The the Scottish Open isn't a true Lynx golf course either. So no, it's, it's modernized. Always, it's a Tom Doak design. It's yeah. There, uh, so, what is it? The Renaissance. Renaissance Renaissance is what they call it. Not Renaissance. The, it's Renaissance. The Renaissance. Oh, okay. Let me make sure I get that 
pronunciation yeah. Yeah. correct. Um, nice. Uh, let's see what happens. I like yeah. this lineup. Looks like we're we're getting a uh, a pretty decent field there for the listeners. Though uh, log in, we want to get a full a full boat for this and get everybody in. Yeah. If you if you know one of us, reach out to us for the link. Um, we'll get we get up to twenty listeners in this. Uh, I think it's a private event, but I think you can actually search it and ask for an invite. It's you just have it as a Merge Nine Golf Podcast um, private contest on DraftKings, and I think if you ask to get in, I can accept you. So, um, if not, reach out to us, and we'll give you the direct link. Maybe we'll try to put it on our on our socials as well. But um, yeah, again, nothing like coffee and golf. It's just the best. I love it. So, is there anything in that coffee, or is it just coffee? Uh, it depends on the day. Um, <laughs> depends if I'm working or not. <laughs> oh, love it, love it. Oh, and um, again, we get we get two opens. We get the Open Championship and the Virginia State Open, and our four time champion is going for right. number, number five this week. So, number five, let's go. It could happen, right? One Lightning for the thumb. Strike. One for the thumb. Even though I don't give out rings, thumb. but one. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, All right, Jay Bird. Um, Play well. We wish you the best of luck, and I hope your DraftKings team comes in second. (laughs) I'm okay with second. (laughs) All righty. Cheers. Cheers.